Everyone has questions. Why am I here? Where will I go when I die? Is there really truth? But not everyone has biblical answers. Welcome to The Pastor Study, a ministry of pastorstudy.org. Join us now as we study the Bible to draw closer to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here is Pastor Tom Brock. Welcome to the Pastor Study. Well, the state of Minnesota now has become the 12th state to have homosexual marriage. A friend and I were talking about this and he says, what happened? And who is to blame for this? Well, we could blame the DFL party, our liberal governor, Mark Dayton, who pushed for this, and even our president, Barack Obama, who's pushing for homosexual marriage. There is definite blame on the liberal Democrats of this state. We could blame the outside money that poured in from liberal contributors around the country that helped push this through. But you know who I think is the most to blame for having homosexual marriage now in Minnesota? The church. The United Church of Christ, the Episcopal Church in America, the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, the Presbyterian Church USA, in recent years, all of these churches have affirmed loving, committed homosexual behavior. Recently, the ELCA Lutheran Church just elected its first out-of-the-closet, practicing, partnered, homosexual bishop. If you're in the ELCA, my friends, time to join another branch of Lutheranism that still believes in the Bible. While I, while I was being interviewed on the radio recently about my view about what's happened to Minnesota here, somebody called in our station and said, Pastor Tom, while you're speaking against homosexual marriage, the ELCA Lutheran Bishop is on another channel speaking in favor of the liberal point of view. And it's not just the liberal churches that are to blame for this. Listen to this. Minnesotans for Marriage, I, I talked to Andy Parrish, who was uh, in charge of this. They sent out, before the election on, on uh, gay marriage, whether to pass the marriage amendment, listen to this. They targeted the conservative evangelical pastors and the Catholic priests. They sent out 9,000 letters trying to urge them to sign a petition against homosexual marriage. Of the conservative evangelicals and the Catholic priests, how many of those 9,000 bothered to sign the thing? 500, and most of them were Catholic priests. So it's not just the liberal church that's to blame, it's the conservative Bible-believing churches that are to blame because they wouldn't take a stand. The question is, what is God going to do with the polluted American churches? And I'm afraid the answer is time for persecution. I saw a Chinese pastor. He's been in and out of jail many times in China for his faith. And he said to the crowd, don't pray to an end of persecution. Persecution, good for church. And I don't want it, but I think a pers persecution will probably now come to the American church to purify us. Do you know that it's already started? Washington State now has homosexual marriage. A Christian florist could not do a lesbian wedding. The attorney general of Washington State is suing her for discrimination. 
In Boston, Massachusetts, the Catholic Charities have run an adoption program for 50 years giving orphans to couples. They had to close their doors because they couldn't in full conscience give a child to a lesbian couple. In Massachusetts, in elementary school, they are now teaching homosexuality and parents can't opt their children out of those classes because that's the law of the land. President Barack Obama is trying to force Catholic institutions to violate their conscience and pay for contraceptives. Did you know that recently our president went to Planned Parenthood, the biggest abortion provider in America, gave a rousing speech saying, I'm supportive of Planned Parenthood, and then he said to Planned Parenthood, God bless you. God bless Planned Parenthood that kills more unborn babies than anyone in America. He'll persecute the Catholic Church, but God bless Planned Parenthood. I think what's happening is we're going back to the days of Rome. In the first 300 years of Christianity to about 300 or so, the ancient Roman Empire persecuted the church. I think it's back. My plea is, Christians, let's do this. Before the persecution hits, let's make up our mind ahead of time and say, Lord, I'm willing to suffer for you. I'm willing to lose my job for you. I'm willing to have my family hate me because of you. God, I'm willing to die for you. It may come to that even in our lifetime now. I mean, when a Christian pharmacist has to lose his job because he will not prescribe the abortion pill, the persecution is starting. Today what we're going to do, we're going to look at what Jesus told the disciples about how to prepare for persecution. Jesus is about to send out the 12 disciples to preach and heal, but before he does, he tells them what's coming. So would you take out your Bible, turn with me to Matthew chapter 10, and let's learn how to prepare for persecution. Let's pray first. Father, we do want to pray for our state and for our nation that somehow you'd work a miracle and turn our nation around and back to you. But Lord, if there is going to be persecution now for the Christians, give each of us a backbone, give each of us a willingness and an ability to say yes to you and no to the world. And speak to us, Lord, now prepare us for whatever may be coming. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Matthew chapter 10, Jesus is about to send the disciples out, and he says this to them, verse 21. Brother will betray brother to death, and a father his child. Children will rise up against parents and cause them to be put to death. You will be hated by all because of my name, but it is the one who has endured to the end who will be saved. But whenever they persecute you in one city, flee to the next. For truly I say to you, you will not finish going through the cities of Israel until the Son of Man comes. Here's the first lesson. It's a matter of when, not if. Jesus doesn't say if they persecute you in this verse. He says when they persecute you. Paul says to young Timothy in, in 2 Timothy 3, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. All. So let me ask you. Have you ever been persecuted for your faith in Christ? If not, you're probably being too quiet. 
I knew a teenage girl by the name of Jill. She told me this story once. She's standing next to her locker in high school talking to her friend about Jesus. Another student walks by and hears it, comes up to her face. You can't talk about that here. Separation of church and state. Well, she thought he was kidding. This is America, freedom of speech, etc. And she kept talking to her friend about Jesus. He took his fist, slugged her in the face, and knocked her down. <laughs> and she got up and was loving toward him. The next day he came back and apologized to her. He eventually started going to church with her. <laughs> Doesn't always end that happily, but we need to prepare for persecution. Look at verse 24. A disciple is not above his teacher, nor a slave above his master. It is enough for the disciple that he become like his teacher and the slave like his master. If they have called the head of the house, Jesus, Beelzebul, the devil, how much worse, more will they malign those members of his own household, the disciples? Here's the next lesson. Prepare for insults. If you're going to follow Jesus, prepare to get insulted. We've done this TV show now almost 25 years. We teach that Jesus is the only way to heaven. We teach that if you reject Christ, you go to hell. We teach that premarital sex, abortion, homosexual sex is sin. And so sometimes I read the blogs that people say about yours truly, and I'm a hate-filled bigot, and I get a little hurt, but, but i got to remember this verse. If you're going to take a stand for Christ, get ready to get insulted. <laughs> That's what it says. Verse 26, Therefore do not fear them, for there is nothing concealed that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. Here's the next way to prepare for persecution. Refuse to fear men. Many years ago, a man by the name of Lord Lawrence was buried in England. Christian man, and on his tombstone it said, Here lies Lord Lawrence. He feared men so little because he feared God so much. He feared men so little because he feared God so much. You know, I, I'll admit, I tend to be a people pleaser. I want people to like me. A lot of pastors, unfortunately, are people pleasers. We want everything to go smoothly. We want people to like us. You know, pastor, we need to get over that. Our job is not to have everybody like us. Our job is to fear God and not care what the crowd thinks. Story of a young violinist. He's giving a concert. Gets on stage, does his first number. Wonderful job. People loudly applaud. But they could tell by the look on his face he was not pleased with himself. He does the second number. Again, wonderful job. People applaud. But again, he's not pleased. He does the third number. It's such a great job. People stand to their feet, loudly give him a standing ovation. But the whole time, the young man's eyes are up in the balcony. And finally, he sees the old white head of his maestro nod in approval, and then joy beams on his face. He didn't care about the applause of the crowd. He wanted the approval of his maestro. And Christian, let's do this. Let's not care what, too much what people think about us. Let's care what God thinks about us. Let's fear God and honor God. And Lord Lawrence feared men so little because he feared God so much. Verse 27, <clears throat> what I tell you in the darkness, speak in the light. 
What you hear whispered in your ear, proclaim upon the housetops. Next way to prepare for persecution, never stop proclaiming Christ's words. Do you do that? When is the last time you proclaimed Jesus' words to somebody? Let me tell you the story of Polycarp, who was martyred by the Romans in 155 A.D. Old man led into the arena. They are threatening to throw him to the lions. And the ruler says, Polycarp, revile Christ and I will let you go. Polycarp's famous reply I have served him 86 years, and in no way has he done me wrong. How can I blaspheme my king who saved me? Again, again the ruler said, Polycarp, deny Christ. He said openly, but I am a Christian. Finally, they threatened him with burning at the stake. Polycarp says, your fire burns for a while and goes out, but there is another fire you do not know about. They burn him at the stake. His last words were, I give you thanks, God, that you have counted me worthy of this day and hour. I praise you, I bless you, I glorify you through Jesus Christ. Amen. There was a lot of that in the first 300 years of Christianity. And if you have never prayed the prayer, Lord, if persecution's coming, give me the Holy Spirit, give me strength to follow you, even if it means my death, that's a good prayer for you to pray. Verse 28. Do not fear those who kill the body, but are unable to kill the soul, but rather fear him, God, who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Here's the next lesson. Keep fearing God. We're supposed to fear God. You know, there's a, there's a false teaching around the church that says we're not supposed to fear God. Is that right? <laughs> the book of Proverbs says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. You're smart to fear God. Well, somebody says, yeah, but you can't love God if you fear him. Ah, contraire. <laughs> I mean, my brother and I loved our dad. But he kept this yardstick in the closet. And if Mark and I got out of line, he got that out of the closet and we got it. <laughs> and is it possible to both love and fear God at the same time? It is. You know the weird thing? When I was 19 years old, my dad died. My brother and I fought over who got the stick because <laughs> it symbolized our dad to us. You know, God, if he has to, will lovingly discipline you. Therefore, it's proper to fear him. Verse 29. Are not two sparrows sold for a cent, and yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father? But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Here's the next lesson. Believe God is in control of the details even. The hairs on your head even. I mean, when you're going through persecution, the temptation is to think, God, you must not be in control. I'm suffering here, and who's running the universe? And Jesus says this verse, no, no, no. When you're going through that, know that a bird can't fall to the crown apart from our Father. He's got your hairs numbered. He's in total control. Even when you suffer, he's in control of that. You know, let me tell you why I believe God controls everything, including the details, including the bird falling out of the nest, including your seat on an airplane. Uh, listen to this, please. I always pray before I get on the airplane, God, if it's your will, put me next to someone to share the gospel with. I'm going to fly to Europe. It's an eight-hour flight. I said my prayer. I got on the plane. Every seat was full except the one right next to me. 
And I will tell you, I was a little relieved because <laughs> I get nervous too sharing my faith. Plus, I like to sprawl out if it's an eight-hour flight. So they close the door. We're about to take off. I've never seen this happen. Announcement comes over. Excuse us. We're going to have to open the door again. A, a passenger is, is running late. And they open the door, and here comes in this very tall, thin man, runs in and sits next to me. Plane takes off, and we start talking, and he asked me what I did. And I said, I'm a Lutheran pastor. And he said, oh, I'm a Catholic, and he's a homosexual, and I've had AIDS, he says, for 15 years. And we had quite the talk. And I started sharing the gospel with him. I, let me tell you how I came to know that my sins are forgiven. I used to think probably that you're saved by being good. That doesn't work because we're sinners. Jesus died on the crosses by trusting in him. And he's, oh, yeah, I'm a Christian. He's agreeing with all this. And then he's talking about his boyfriend and all this. And so finally, and it was very awkward, but finally I had to bring it up. And I said, I said to him, I was very honest, I said, I personally have struggled with homosexual temptation most of my life. But 1 Corinthians 6 says homosexuals don't go to heaven. So I say no to that behavior and I, and I, I reject it. And I said to him, do you ever struggle with the fact you say you're a Catholic, but you're committing this sin all the time? And he said, well, nothing's wrong with, with what I'm doing. God made me this way. I said, no, he didn't. The Bible says homosexual behavior is a sin. Well, well the Bible was written by a bunch of narrow-minded men. No, it wasn't. It was written by the Holy Spirit, inspiring men, etc. And I urged him to turn from his behavior and to truly believe in Christ. You know, we, uh, we, we've, we've parted on a friendly note, but I want to tell you that conversation was predestined. God controls the hairs on your head. He controls whether a bird falls out of the ground. He controls whether you are persecuted or not. So if you're persecuted, God's in control of that. Verse 31. So do not fear. You are more valuable than many sparrows. Here's the next lesson. When persecuted, believe you are valuable. The temptation when you're persecuted is to think, God, you must not value me much. Look what I'm going through. And Jesus says these verses, no, no, no. You are of more value than many sparrows, especially when you're persecuted. You are valuable to God. But let, let me say this. We are valuable to God, not because we deserve it. <laughs> We're valuable to God only because of his grace. The homosexual on the plain says to me, well, I've come to understand that I am a good person. I am a wonderful person. And I said to him, I'm not. I'm a sinner who deserves hell, but God loves me anyway. <laughs> you know, um, the, the point again, we're valuable because of his grace, not because of, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We're valuable because of his grace, not because we're, we're, we're deserving of it. Uh, I believe in a doctrine called total depravity. That is, we human beings are sinful through and through. We got that from Adam and Eve, but God loves us anyway. Look at verse 32. Therefore, everyone who confesses me before men, I will also confess him before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I also will deny before my Father who is in heaven. Here's the next lesson. Confess Christ publicly. Let me ask you, do your friends at work, your friends at school, does your family, uh, do, do your neighbors, do they know you're a Christian? I'm not saying are you loud and obnoxious about it, but in your humble, gentle, clear way, do people know where you stand? We need to be public. 
for Christ. I, I preached at a Baptist church last Sunday. And some time ago before the election, they had a sign on their church lawn saying, marriage is one man, one woman. It got torn down six times. They put it up again six times. And I commended them. And I said, that's what this verse is about. We're to publicly take a stand for Christ. Verse 34. Do not think that I came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I came to set a man against his father, and a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a man's enemies will be the members of his own household. Here's the next lesson. Expect family feuds. I have a, a, a very close relative, and there's, there's a feud between us, because I believe in Jesus only for my salvation. She believes in Jesus and yoga and reincarnation and meditation, and there's a family feud when we talk sometimes. <laughs> you know, that homosexual on the plane, he says to me, I've got this born-again aunt, and she's always saying to me, have you found Jesus yet? And I say to her, what, is he lost? And I've got this Catholic mother who's always praying for my soul. And you could tell there was a feud going on in his family because they were following Jesus and he isn't. And I want to tell you, I had such a sense on that plane that his mom's prayers put me on that seat. <laughs> Verse 37, he who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Here's the next lesson. Put God above your family. I can think of two liberal ELCA bishops who have promoted the homosexual cause in the Lutheran church. Why? Both of their sons are homosexual. No, listen. If your daughter tells you that she's had an abortion, or she's a lesbian, or she's living with her boyfriend. That doesn't all of a sudden make fornication and abortion okay. We are to put God above our family. Verse 38. And he who does not take up his cross, that means suffer, and follow after me, is not worthy of me. Here's the next lesson. Be willing to suffer for Christ. You know, in the early 1900s in China, the Christian church was persecuted. It's called the Boxer Rebellion. Many Christians lost their lives. The story is the soldiers surrounded a Christian school. They put a cross on the lawn in front of the door. They told the students and the teachers, if you trample on the cross, you can go home. But if you walk around the cross, you will be shot. The first boy came out of the door, trampled on the cross, went home. The second person out of the door was a little girl. She bent down kissed the cross and walked around she was shot and the story goes most of the people behind her followed her example verse 38 he who does not follow after me is not worthy of me here's the next lesson continue to follow Christ the temptation when you're being persecuted is to stop following. I, yeah, you're right. I don't know him. No, you, you keep following. And, and I will say this. We don't follow perfectly as Christians. We stumble and we fall. But a true Christian always gets up again and keeps following. Uh, for instance, <laughs> the homosexual on the plane says, and he says he's a Catholic. Well, the church is a sham. You know, All they want is your money and clergy abuse and, and the crusades and the church is a sham. 
And I said, you know, I admit there's black spots in church history. Well, yeah, that's the Catholic Church. Your Lutheran Church is probably better. And I said, no. And the problem, there's sin in churches because we won't be perfect till the second coming. But I said to him, nevertheless, no institution has done more good for this planet than the Christian Church. We have fed more hungry, clothed more naked, started more schools, founded more orphanages. Nobody can touch the history of the Christian Church for doing the most good to this planet. So. We don't follow perfectly, we stumble and fall, but overwhelmingly, keep following Jesus, even when you're persecuted, you'll bless the planet. Verse 39. He who has found his life will lose it, and he who has lost his life for my sake will find it. Here's the next lesson. Be willing to lose your life. You know, this verse might mean you will literally be martyred someday, at the very least, it means you die to your flesh. The reason I don't think that homosexual next to me on the plane really was a Christian, he refuses to die to his flesh. He refuses to say no to his evil desires. Look at verse 39, the end. And he who has lost his life for my sake will find it. Last lesson today, you will find your life if you will follow Christ. Let me tell you how that plain conversation ended. I finally just got real humble with him. I said, Richard, I just want you to go to heaven for eternity. Really, you don't want to go to hell for eternity. And the Bible says you need to turn from your sin and put your trust in Christ to be saved. And, 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 I, and he says to me, well, you mean I have to get married? <laughs> I said, no, you don't have to get married, but you don't have sex either and you just wait for the Lord. You can, you can be a single Christian and without having sex. And I just pled with him. And you know what he said? He said, well, you know, I know that really came from your heart, and I'll have to think about that. But, you know, what I was trying to do was get him to believe the verse, Matthew 10:39, that if you lose your life for Christ, you will save it for eternity. And, 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 and what I want to say to everyone watching the show, only the Lord knows now what will happen to us in America with what's coming. Be ready and say, Lord, I'm willing to suffer for you. Lord, help me, because I can't do this on my own. Help me be willing to die for you if it has to be. And you know, if they kill you, you go to heaven. <laughs> Pretty good. So let us read Matthew 10. Do what it says. I want to encourage everyone this week, pray for God to give you the holy boldness to stand for Christ. Go to our website, persecute, excuse me, uh, go to persecution.org if you want to help persecuted Christians around the world, persecution.org, or go to our website, pastorstudy.org, watch our shows, and let's prepare for what's coming. God be with you this week. Amen. Thank you for watching the Pastor Study. You can watch more of our programs at pastorstudy.org. We are on the air preaching the gospel of Christ because of our generous support of you, our viewers. Would you consider supporting our ministry? You may do so at pastorstudy.org or write the Pastor Study, P.O. Box 41294, Minneapolis, Minnesota 55441. May the blessing of our one triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you today and always.